Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Hello, everybody. This is Robert Scott Bell, and we're introducing a new friend to the Robert Scott Bell Show here at the We the Patriots USA event in Boise, Idaho. Whenever this is airing, this is where it originated. And uh, Carl Kanthak is with me now, and uh, he's friends with many of my friends, so that makes him a friend of mine. <laughs> Carl, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thank you so much, Robert. I feel like I'm hitting the big time now. What the heck are you doing on my show, <laughs> and why are you wearing a tie? Well... <laughs> I do that because I have low self-esteem, and then uh, it's this way when somebody shows it to their legislature, they don't go, what's wrong with that guy? Okay, all right. Well, you look good, my friend. You look well, good. Thank you. And uh, just so you know, we went out with our, our friends, and we're at the, after the dinner uh, thing that happened, the piano, dueling piano bar, all kinds, of, all kinds of fun stuff, and with uh, um, Susie. 66-year-old pianist with an amazing falsetto that yes. was able to sing ACDC. That was hilarious. <laughs> That and, was really and, funny. Uh, uh, who was the other one? The lady. I don't know, but yeah. she. It was funny because she at the end. I don't know what song she uh, would. She weird. wouldn't do Journey to go out. She did a song none of us knew. Like, okay, you're sending yeah. us home. Anyway, but we had fun. Okay. We were dancing and moving and being silly. And and Ryan Cole, Doctor Cole, was with us as well. And he can she can shake it, man. Yes, sir. He is so much fun. Anyway, we have to find time to have fun in the midst of very serious topics, of Absolutely. which. Carl is well versed in what serious topic or topics is that? I'm going to let him introduce him. We actually have a visual uh, slides to show you during this uh, uh, episode of the Robert Scott Bell Show. So if you're listening to the podcast, you're definitely going to want to come back on and see it on Rumble or in the various places where it comes and shows shows up as a video as well. Uh, just giving you a heads up on that. But we'll talk to the best of our ability, verbalize yes, what we're going to see on the screen as well. So Carl, introduce yourself to the audience. Let them know your backstory and background, how we got here. Very good. Well. Uh, again, Carl Kantak. I'm from Washington State, and uh, my entry into this this space was uh, in 2011. Washington State was the first state that had a. Um, there we go. Okay, was the first state that had a legislative effort to get rid of their non-medical vaccine exemptions, mm -hmm. and uh, and I was just getting involved in, on a school board at that time, and I noticed that the rates that were being used to promote the legislation were dramatically different than the ones that I'd seen recently in a report. And that was, I went into that, and I thought that it would be simply a matter of uh, one time showing the legislature that they were being misled by the public health officials, et cetera. And that was 13 years ago. <laughs> I'm still here today. Amazing. So my my I guess what what you would say is so what I do is I go and my my purpose or my hope is that I can take policymakers and elected officials and show them that when it doesn't look right, it's probably not right, and give them the confidence to push back and understand that these people have an agenda. It's a specific agenda, and they feel that that agenda is so important that they will stretch the truth in order to achieve that it's a uh, you know the ends justify the means and if we have to mislead people along the way then that's appropriate right which it, it clearly isn't appropriate that's but, right um there are entities among us that believe it is to lie steep steal cheat uh, deceive exactly. coerce, fear frighten you into doing things that are not good for you or your children uh, unfortunately 
um, people are a little bit naive if they think that doesn't happen because they wouldn't do it. And a lot of times that's, that's right. used against you. And you're like, oh, well, I wouldn't do that. So no one else would. Like, come on. Have you ever been ripped off in your life? There that's are people right. that are willing to do a lot of things that you wouldn't do. That's right. And uh, you've uncovered a lot of that. Absolutely. In every state that I've messed with. So, and most recently, in fact, I have this uh, American Journal of Public Health. And it's a uh, it's an opinion that's asking to EHB sixteen thirty eight or not to EHB sixteen thirty eight. Well, that, what does that refer to? That's legislation that they passed fraudulently under fraudulence uh, pretense uh, pretense yeah. in twenty nineteen in Washington State, mm. and so they're claiming that it was successful, and that uh, you know in this uh, opinion in the American Journal of Public Health. So the my lead up is uh, to explain to people what happened, how it happened, and then to show them why this is wrong, because what's going to happen is the lobbyists are going to take this bill or they're going to take the study associated with this opinion and they're going to go to their legislators and say, hey, Washington state got rid of their exemption and their vaccination rates went up over 5%. Mm. We need to get rid of our exemptions too, mm. which is the, the standard operating uh, playbook that they've been using since I first started observing this in 2011. Well, and this doesn't go into the, answering the question of why the states are engaged in increasing percentage of uptake on a product that is a for-profit commercial product that has no liability associated with it. That's right. I mean, start there and you go, oh, what right. the hell? That's weird. Yeah. That doesn't sound like an American yeah. ideal. No, exactly not. Yeah. No, that's 100% correct. So where do we go with this uh, initial information that you uncovered that led you kind of this rabbit hole or the string you pull and the sweater disappears? It's so well, it's let's, let's open everywhere. up the, the, the okay. program and that'll that'll get us going there. Let's take a look at this first slide. OK, here, here we, we are. June of 2023 when they were first connecting and Carl has a sub stack and you can see this online. Uh, Carl Kanta, K-A-N-T-H-A-K, it's K-A-R-L. So it's double K. That's right. Not, not triple K. Don't be going no. there. Double K. Dot substack.com, carlcantic.substack.com. Exactly. And we got and here. This is this is where <laughs> I, so the first night I was here, a day early before the show, and we happened to have dinner, and I started talking about some of this stuff, and Kevin, your producer. Kevin Tuttle, co yeah, associate <laughs> goes, producer. How do I not know who you are? <laughs> uh, because of the diff information that I've had, and, and that was actually intentional for the first part and while my son was in school, I didn't want to risk any kind of trouble. Oh, some repercussion on yeah. him, blowback on him. I didn't want any uh, targeting of him so that I did most of my work was uh, undercover. And Washington had two active bills at various points over the last 13 years. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was doing a tremendous amount of work for all of the other states that were facing uh, exemption stuff. I have one I have one presentation that's a... Um, it's called a decade of noble lies, mm. which is going through each of the different states. But uh, yeah. I have a tremendous amount of material. And so there's a picture with uh, Carl and Kevin Tuttle, as well as Taryn Gregson, who's a wonderful, wonderful soul. And she's uh, emceed this event that we're broadcasting from today. And uh, she's a bright light. And uh, in front of our friends at Sovereign Copper and Argent 23. Love that picture. Absolutely. And so what I'm going to go over then is the, uh, the counter the weaponization of reports and studies used to support unneeded exemption and in le legislation. Uh, Washington 2011, which is my origin story, mm -hmm. an overview of the attack on school exemptions uh, relating to the product efficacy and things that you were just mentioning. And then um, I have a collection of the policies by all of the different organizations, the AMA, AAP, et cetera, and then, uh, and then 
the specific bill we just were talking about. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, well, let's let's see where we go with from here. Check it out. So the uh, too long didn't read is the attack on exemptions is to eliminate exemptions as a legal principle and precedent so that when requirements are expanded onto adults, they will not be available. Exemption rates are low. Vaccination rates are high. And facts are being misrepresented to support legislation, other exemptions, mm-hmm. other agendas. <clears throat> and then the disclaimer, of course, I'm not a doctor or a lawyer. This is not uh, medical or legal advice. It's for informational purposes only. If I get excited and say lie or liar, I really mean allegedly misrepresent. Mm-hmm. And then all data is typically screen captured and sourced and the best of my understanding, and I will we'll do it. I am an elected official, but I'm 100% a private citizen today. All right, speaking not in your mm-hmm. elected status That's on the correct. Ron Scott Bell Show. And then and you're I... not a doctor or a lawyer. Who let you in here? <laughs> <laughs> and you're also not stupid. That's how I introduce right. myself when I'm doing at uh, public health meetings. Well, you point. know what I call a high uh, education. It's a degree. <laughs> So you're not doing that. Well, the PhD is piled high and deep. Exactly. Exactly. So going back to 2011, that's correct. First attempt to eliminate exemptions. Now we've seen them roll across the states from, uh, you know, initially, interestingly enough, the history like West Virginia, I think in Mississippi were the two states that weren't allowing. Never had them. Yeah. Never had them. Right. Yeah. And then we started seeing, hey, let's adopt that in California and then New York. Yeah. Washington was first. That was what. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was. uh, Bill Gates, I'm pretty sure. Right. And, yeah. and we knew that, uh, you know, it was kind of weird because up to that point, of course, uh, Washington state, blue state. Um, and, and let's say theoretically, the crunchy granola eating people were the ones that didn't want to vaccinate. Right. And then those were largely liberal, you know, wealthy, elite Democrat kind of things. And yet that was a state which was kind of going, oh, wait a second. There's something going on here that's very weird because I don't think that they necessarily want to remove their ability to say no, but something happened. Well, it's 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 one of these top down things because the uh, the rates were exceedingly high. Yeah. And so it really had nothing to do with, you know, there's my dad used to say there's always two reasons people do something. Mm -hmm. The one they tell you and the real one. Yes. So when I looked at these. uh, So what they this. uh, So we have now a chart up that um, it's uh, a titled chart and it shows that Washington has a sixty five point nine percent, sixty four point nine percent vaccination rate. And what was happening was, is that the lobbyist and the different various public partner, public private partnerships, yeah. yeah, with Washington State, what they did was they were running this all over Olympia, which is our capital city, and telling the legislators that we had a 35% vaccination deficit. This was due to crazy how does how deceptive was this? It's it was, like it's like the um, the whole idea of the 20th century. The only reason we're alive is because of vaccines, and then they show this little snippet of a a long decline in morbidity, mortality, and even incidence of quote unquote vaccine preventable diseases. Correct. And then they show this thing and say vaccines are responsible, and you find out that that long line is just a little line that they blew up. And then if they shrink it back down, that long line preceded by decades the introduction of those vaccines. Absolutely. That's the deception we're seeing here, I think, somehow. Well, this bit. is, yeah, what this is, is they're, they're showing this chart. and They're telling our legislators that this is the K-12 school system vaccination right. rate and that somehow 35% of the kids aren't vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, um, go then, and then, um, so when they did that, uh, uh, now I had just been at a meeting uh, and saw a report that the exemption rate was only 3% for MMR, the ones that what we consider the Pretty traditional. Pretty typical what I yeah. heard across yeah. the state, yeah. And then they, they just added chicken pox, so it was about 6%. Mm-hmm. So then I talked to my legislator because this, I mean, this, this they had 
uh, dual bills, both the Senate and the House, which is what they do. They introduce them simultaneously, and then uh, they hit the ground running. So I went and uh, met with my legislator, and I asked him, what do you think is going on here? And then he said, well, I need to, uh, we can go to the next one then. Sure. And, and then he said, uh, uh, Carl, I need to get rid of this. I've seen the chart. It's the only responsible thing to do mm -hmm. is to is to pull this out. And that's the way that they frame this is to say that uh, uh, that it's, you know, they make it a choice that it's the only responsible thing. So um, uh, we're in trouble. I must vote for eliminating exemptions. It's the only responsible action. I saw the graph and I said, well, send me the graph. Mm -hmm. So I went through the graph and uh, what the, again, the Vax Northwest and so the Washington Department of Health and then the, we have our own AMA branch of it, right? So right. the AAP, the AMA, all those groups have state chapters, county chapters, and they were telling the legislators that we were 35% below where we should be for vaccination rates. So then what I did was um, I showed my legislator, I said, well, let me help you read this chart is that the NIS is not the K-12 system. It's the National Immunization Survey. Mm -hmm and that it does not measure it's that 19 to 35 month old children aren't in k-12 school mm -hmm. and these kids aren't subject to exemption law and that the 431314 is not school requirements and this is what's a, this is a comprehensive measurement so what happens is you end up with it's how many kids by their 35th month have four dtap three polio one mmr three hep b one chicken pox and four four pcv by that date and if they don't then there's zero say by the age of four is uh, no 35 months 35 months so so below three years of age so they, they have to have all 16 of those or right. they or they count as not vaccinated at all for this measurement for this yeah. measurement so now they're going to have a result based on something that is not even related to the whole basis of which they put this bill on to Correct. say hey we need to clamp down completely, on exemptions completely, completely unrelated. unrelated yeah Completely similar unrelated. to what I said about that chart of how they try to describe yep. the 20th century uh, based on <laughs> fraud, you know, unbelievable. So I was able to tell my legislator, I said, uh, you know, you're being shown a chart of how many children who are not in Washington K-12 schools and not subject to exemptions have completed by age three all of the doses in vaccine series that include vaccines that aren't even required for K-12. So then I called up the Department of Health. And I said, what are you doing? These are not the, the K-12 rates. And they tried to pawn it off. And so I talked to the man that was running the Washington Medical Association. That's, his name was Bob. And I said, Bob, what are you doing here? And he says, well, the rates don't really matter. We just have to get rid of these exemptions. The and rates he, don't matter? Yeah, he said, yeah. the rates don't really matter. We just got to get rid of these exemptions. We wow. can't have people picking and choosing. And I go, well, I'm sorry, Bob, but exactly that's exactly the way it works. We do get to pick and choose. And if the rates don't matter, then why don't you use the real ones? Mm -hmm. And I got mad, and now here I am 13 years So later, it's in all a, in a fraud and step. deception. Their, their MO is fraud mm -hmm. and deception. Absolutely. It's incredible what you're showing here. Yeah. Uh, you guys got to see this. If you're hearing the podcast, please go look at the visual. We are live uh, when we pre-record this, obviously. But yeah. the, the thing is, uh, many people listen on the audio podcast. Sometimes it's really critical visually to see the you yeah. know the version like on, on uh, Rumble. So check it out. Yeah. So then, then, then. So I started to deal with these public-private partner people, and they're all fibbers too. Mm -hmm. So then, uh, yeah. so the, the the hard part for the legislator is, is you know, here you have people that are various levels of imprimatur because they're usually MDs or PhDs or master right. in public health. Mm -hmm. Then they're also maybe a county health officer and or a county medical society officer, and they come in and they're saying this to you. Mm -hmm. 
And so the, the question is, is that, uh, you know, when a legislator is shown a chart by a trusted state official or licensed medical professional or public private part organization rep, mm-hmm. how many are they thinking there's any chance of being intentionally misinformed? How often is a legislator thinking when the when the secretary of health comes in and shows them some things? I wonder if this guy's lying to me. Yeah. Is there a thought there that they're, you know, or are they even aware of the incredible inherent conflicts of interest present in the Absolutely information they're not. presenting? They're not. No. No. So they, by the way, I, I interrupt you here to ask you if, if you've seen the documentary film we worked on, Health Independence Alliance, called Safe, Utah Safe and Effective, question mark. Because we go into the institutional conflicts of interest between medicine and state, uh, uh, no, media I and need, state, church and state. I mean, it's an incredible documentary. And you'll love it because we go into all of that and everything's referenced. Everything that's, that's brought up in that is referenced. So go to everybody. If you haven't seen this yet, utahsafeandeffective.org. You can watch it for free. And share it with your friends and share it with doctors and for health professionals yeah. and medical, because it's all, it's all referenced. Nothing is just off the cuff. So go ahead. Sorry. No, they need, yeah, they need to see that because no, the, none of this stuff is the way they play. Right. And they don't know until they know. And they go, what? And it's a shock to them when they realize this. Right. Yeah. So then the next thing is, and as you said, but why would they lie? Yeah. Just like that we, you know, honest people aren't looking for other people to be lying. This is what my mom always says, but why would they lie? Yeah. Even that nice doctor. Right. I wouldn't lie. So why would they lie? Exactly. And it's used against your mom and our yeah. mom, you know, that, yeah. or my mom's not naive about that. She sees through it, but she's a tough old Israeli. She's a, she knows. So, so then what I, so I went through and found all the data and showed them that, 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 that we actually have 96% vaccination rates in Washington state. Yeah. There and wasn't, there was, was the there was no 35%. There was no 35%. Yeah. Uh, so the irony is that now that all this is coming out, you're going to see non-compliance at levels of 50, 60, 70 percent based on the questions that are being asked, not only about COVID jabs or injections, but all the previous ones. Now, many doctors like uh, Peter McCullough even going back and going, I would not do it again. That's right. Yeah. Because the, the paradigm was sold so heavy, mm-hmm. not just doubled down, but tripled down and quadrupled down on yeah. that you couldn't even question it at all. Right. So one of the one of the people that was helping uh, got us a, an appointment with the governor's health officer policy advisor. Mm-hmm. I had this chart here, which is an actual vaccination rate. She'd never seen one. This is the governor's health policy advisor. I walked her through it. First, she, she slung it off to one of her assistants and said, uh, can you confirm that? Because she didn't know if I'd Photoshop. Sure. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then it came back and she said, she blurted out. I have always just heard that rates are low and falling. Mm-hmm. And this is their. And now policy. she's seeing the opposite. Right. Yeah. And then she naively asked me, she says, well, did you show this to the bill sponsors? Maybe they'll withdraw. Oh, that is a very naive question. <laughs> wow. And that's when I realized, oh, my God, this yeah. is way worse than I thought. Dealing with a bunch of dunderheads. Okay. So then we were able to push back, and then we got the ban reduced to just that you have to have a health care provider. You have to have a signature on your exemption that says they talk to you about the risk and benefits. Of right. They've tried to propagandize you. You still didn't fall yeah. for it. Yeah. And it's never, and, the, and those risk benefits are always the risk of the infection and the, and benefit the benefits of the, of the shot, but never the risk of the yeah, shot. hundred exactly. percent. Yeah. yeah. So we did that. So then uh, the background on this, of course, is that it's not about low vaccination rates or risk to the students. So the true purpose of the at- attack, again, is to get rid of medical exemptions and to eliminate them as they broaden it out on the adults. I recognize that right away because the next state that we, that uh, came under fire was Vermont. And Vermont is so small, they literally had only 285 exempt students in the kindergarten wow. spread out over the whole state. And so the money, there, there wasn't enough money to 
grinding those last people in. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a money thing. And then it obviously had to be to set this up. So we had 90% saturation of the pediatric vaccine market was achieved in the 90s, primarily through the convergence of the first three factors, school attendance rules, the, the uh, Liability Act in 86, and then vaccines for children, which is government purchase, and then vaccines or biologics, no patent expiry. So that, and th this is just a chart showing, so this is from the uh, CDC, and then the 60s, we had 60, 70 percent, yeah. you know, and then it, we didn't hit this 90 percent that they're claiming if you don't have it, everyone dies. Right. right. Until the 90s. So everybody should have been dead since the yeah. 60s, at yeah. least, or maybe before when we before didn't even have happened. those. Yeah. Right. It's absurd. Yeah. And so uh, less than one and a half percent of children have zero vaccines. Mm -hmm. The national exemption rates 2.2 percent. And the only reason in any individual state looks higher is because when you measure an exemption by percentage, the 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 one person in a smaller state represents mm -hmm. higher. If you right. if you weighted it, it's two point two everywhere. Right, and that that's an important distinction here because that you know they'll go into certain areas, uh, like uh, let's see, there's a place in Oregon, Ashland, Oregon. Yeah, you know that city. Yeah, it's like a really uh, leftist. Uh, crunchy granola kind of place yeah yeah earth muffin place which i like it's a beautiful place i've been there many years ago and thought, oh this would be fun to live nice place and they went they go there and they go oh my god the exemption rate's very high here because right. there's a very unique aware population right that is more holistically inclined goes to homeopaths and naturopaths right. and and so they would use that and try somehow to take that and expand and say look what's happening it's yes. panic everywhere but you're right across the whole country it was less than three percent that's correct yeah that's correct. Yeah. And then these are just references because I don't want someone to think I'm making it up. Mm -hmm. And yes. that just shows. And so this is that. So in children, 19, so 24 month old children, they survey every year. And that uh, this year, 1.3% uh, had zero vaccines. That's in 2017. Uh, children born. So 2019. 2019. Yeah. Okay. And that, and so this is for the children that were born. Uh, so here, the children with no vaccinations is down from 1.4 to 1. Just 1%. 1. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, my kids have been among those since they were born in 99 and 2005. Yeah. But a very small percentage of it the children very, have zero. very, very small. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then the exemption rate here references that's 2.2%. So it stayed under 2.5 for years. And then, so the, here's the thing is, where is the vaccine hesitancy? You have 99%. Yeah, yeah, you got 99%, 98% plus start vaccinating and 97% compliance with the school schedule. So hesitancy was created because when a responsible legislator understands ending exemptions will not cause these families to resume or begin vaccinating, they start to consider how are we going to educate these people? Because we have a, it's in our state constitution that we must provide, Washington just had a huge lawsuit a few years ago, mm -hmm. that we must provide education that the, the, that's one of our primary duties. So a responsible legislator will start thinking about things like, uh, uh, we had a case where there was a mumps outbreak, and so the, the MMR-exempt teachers were offering to teach the MMR-exempt students. Right. They can't let that happen. No. So public health can't allow alternative education options, uh, for example, exempt teachers running classes for exempt students, because that legitimizes the choice not to vaccinate. But by the way, this doesn't even consider, was it the Merck case, the whistleblowers from Merck that said, they had spiked the an yes. antibodies, the rabbit's blood, you know, to show we achieved a certain percentage of efficacy in order to have exclusivity right, on the that monopoly. market on the, on the, on providing this, this very profitable uh, triple valent, I don't know what they call yeah, it, MMR, trivalent, trivalent yeah. vaccine. We don't want anybody else producing it. We want all the money coming to us, Merck. 
And so they, they, they basically they acknowledged that they couldn't achieve the results that they were required in order to have a monopoly on it. Right. So rather than efficacy. go, we can't do it, they went, no, let's let's cheat. <laughs> and the whistleblowers finally came out and did it. And people are still going, oh, the MMR, that darn uh, Andrew Wakefield, he made everybody yeah. stop getting it. Like, no, no, he never even said vaccines cause autism. Uh, that was also a straw man argument. Uh, but again, I, yeah, I agree because no it's important. These little asides along the way. That's right. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, the objective of public health is not just to create a legal and regulatory framework that eliminates exemptions, but also to poison the choice socially in the community. And the reference I have here is uh, the lovely Leanna Wynn from CNN uh, saying that the unvaccinated should not be allowed to leave their homes during right. the COVID, right? Lovely lady. Yeah. And so... Uh, you know, public health misrepresents to the legislators that these families are only exempting because they let them. And if they end exemptions, everyone will vaccinate because of, if the legislators understand if we end exemptions, we're driving these kids out of the school system. They're much more reluctant to take the action. Yeah. Well, the, the point is the obstinacy from hesitancy to obstinacy. Yeah. Uh, and they provide that by forcing these people to do that, which is against their conscience. Absolutely. Goodwill, whatever uh, religious beliefs, philosophical understandings or just medical uh, reasons. And uh, this has caused an increase in what they call hesitancy and now obstinacy. And uh, now in the COVID crazy few years, they've yeah. taken it to a level we could have never achieved just by communicating this information. Absolutely. So then school attendance rules, this is one of those factors. So what people, a lot of people think we always had school attendance rules and that's false. I moved from California to Washington mm -hmm. and went to school from third grade and graduated and never produced a vaccination record. Mm. Our rules didn't kick in until 1980. And then of course they phased them in. And, uh, and in 1969, only 26 states had school-level vaccine attendance requirements. Then on uh, liability, of course, the 96 Act, one thing that I will point 86? Yeah, 1986 yeah. Uh, is the national childhood. I, I like to point out to legislators that the fact that some children are harmed or killed by the vaccination program is memorialized in the title of the act. Mm. It's the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986. It's not the national parents hallucinating injury right. to their children. Yeah. And then of course, with that is the injury compensation plan. Then uh, government purchasing. So in 1994 came along uh, vaccines for children. That was uh, Clinton's gift. Uh, and the then big pharma. Yeah. Yes. And so what this does is this doesn't go through the budgetary process. They just decide how much it's going to cost. And then that money's automatically Automatic, yeah. shifted right over there. Great business model. If you're in, in yeah. business, you want to profit, get government to guarantee <laughs> that you're going to get paid no matter what. Right. And then if you saw, if you were following that the COVID shot, you know, as soon as they got it into vaccines for children, they quadrupled the price. Mm -hmm. And no, no, no. I mean, the guys at the v, at the ASIP meeting, there was nothing, you know, guys like, oh, no, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're in. So then this set of conditions created an ideal pharmaceutical environment. School attendance requirements results in zero advertising for the companies. Vaccine promotion isn't paid by the taxpayers. You've never seen an ad for the Merck MMR. And then you have no corporate liability for injuries or deaths. The NVICP protects the companies. You have to apply to the HHS. And then the HHS, a lawyer for them acts as the judge. It's called a special master. And then they don't have real evidentiary laws. You don't have any opportunity to do discovery. You don't have interrogatories and all the normal things. And uh, even if you do somehow prevail, that money is comes out of a fund that we pay into. Right, a tax on every entity. 
Yeah. And uh, it's it's completely harmless to the pharmaceutical industry that's producing products that injure and kill. Yes. There's no there's no concern for why would you produce a better product? Why would you care even if the product works if it's mandated? Correct. And that's why you've never seen on late night TV were you injured by the MMR. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then next is, uh, and in fact, pharma loves this so much, they're trying to do it with the regular drugs with a thing called preemption which is just the idea that if the FDA approved it and the F federal you can't government- can't sue us, the FDA yeah. says it's okay. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. would love that. And then vaccine for children program results in zero price pressure. Yeah. And then here's that citing that, uh, you know, the this is a great URL. Mm -hmm. Pfizer dash will raise the price of its COVID-19 almost fourfold, reveals unique feature of US healthcare pricing. <laughs> Now, so if you were cynical, here's what you would say is that they've been losing the lawsuits about mandates. So you had 100% of the population and your, your plan was to get them all. Well, you've lost the 75% that are adults. 25% are still under school rules. So if you've lost a transaction frequency, mm -hmm. uh, but if you can raise the price four times, then you can make as much money selling that amount. The, so the, the far fewer people. To, the, to yeah, that exactly. quarter. That so you don't left. lose at all. You never lost any money. And then... The, uh, you know, uh, vaccines are not drugs or biologics, and there's no way to make a generic, so there's no patent expiring. This is sorcery, y'all. This yeah. is why pharmacia, pharmacia, sorcery. They just waved the magic wand, and they said, no, nope, this is not a drug. This is a biologic, and we decide there is no patent expiry. So you have permanent patent protection. Permanent So you can protection. charge whatever you want. Nobody's going to come out and compete with you. So the result of that is that Merck has been selling into the pediatric market the same liability-free, no advertising required, 19, early 1980s MMR formula at whatever price they set for decades. Yeah. So once pharma laced up the pediatric market in the 90s, they logically decided to do the same to the adult market. They looked at who they had control over, which was primarily healthcare providers, and they were only getting, you know, this is a, a so here's a article that I've captured that despite the benefits of immunization, CDC estimates that only 40% of the nation's healthcare providers are vaccinated. Now that kind of talks against the idea that vaccines are the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. Because why, if, if they were great, why would not the medical profession be 110% vaxxed? Yeah, I've said that in a free marketplace for uh, these products, uh, they would be failing miserably because very few people <laughs> actually would go out of their way to get them. Exactly. Yeah. So then what they started, and then this is just a, a recent, this is the last couple of years, <clears throat> 14 through 19, and you see that the this is the percent unvaccinated, mm -hmm. 56, 60s too, you know, so we're, people don't want them. So that's when uh, this recognition caused the development of a collection of plans to be able to implement vaccine mandates on adults. A major component of these plans has been the elimination of non-medical exemptions in the school-age populations. So here's something I ran into. It's the uh, National Adult Vaccination Plan. And these highlights are, you know, mandate immunizations and look for every opportunity and then also to condition mm -hmm. as many civil uh, insurance. By the way, I, I, I see a parallel to what happened in 2010 in the United States with the advent and uh, implementation of Obamacare, the passage of Obamacare. Yes. Uh, that was 100 years to the year from the Flexner Report of 1910. It mm. took them a century to mandate participation in a medical monopoly. Prior to that, even though we hadn't had a free market for medicine because of the you know, anti-competitive uh, organizations like AMA and yes. others colluding with government to wipe out any competition, uh, you still had the freedom to go, mm, no, I don't want to participate. Yeah. Now suddenly they made it by the tax code a requirement to get this insurance to have coverage in, in a system that you would don't choose wanna. not 
to participate in because they realized more people were kind of escaping their clutches. And in the same way we see the vaccine thing is like, wait, how do we capture the market that is now no longer getting the shots because we can't require them? They're out of school. What do we do? How do we get the adult mandates in? That's the next business model, business plan. Absolutely. Yeah. So then this is just a, a healthy people 2020 baseline. And you can see how aggressive they have non, non-institutionalized adults. They had a 25% coverage. They wanted to run that up to 80, 90%. Mm-hmm. That's pretty aggressive. And then there's all sorts of different plans. Here's a different, the Adult Vaccine Access Coalition. You know, the idea, anytime you hear barriers to immunization or access, you know that it's, uh, that uh, baloney's coming after that because there are no barriers to, or to access. You can get that. They'll come to your house and vaccinate you if you want them to. Mm-hmm. So there's no barriers. You can get yeah. vaccinated in the drive-through at Burger King. Right, know? right. And then just is just a list from A to A to V of Alliance for Aging Research, and then of course all the pharmaceutical companies are all part of this group. Then the uh, <clears throat> so all medical vaccine administration industry professional trade or- organizations, the American Medical Association, the AAP. American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, they have as formal adopted policy eliminating non-medical exemptions. Mm -hmm. And then uh, American Nursing Association, American Academy of Family Physicians, so everybody is all on board with getting rid of them. The AMA even has a litigation branch that they will airdrop into a state to help uh, give amicus briefs and to Mm -hmm. support the legislation. Amazing. Yeah. So parallel to the industry associations are the public health employee associations who also have missions or published stances supporting the elimination of non-medical exemptions or tightening of medical exemptions. So there's this one is called Nacho, and I have some more about this, but National Association of City and County Health Officers, and then the uh, Association of State and Territorial Health Officers, the Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists. So all of these are the MPHs, Masters of Public Health, and various administrative degrees. Mm-hmm. So while they all have ties to pharma, the worst is the uh, Association of Immunization Managers, where every state has an immunization manager and that ha- they have an industry liaison. Mm-hmm. So that uh, <clears throat> you can see that, you know, it's GSK, Merck, all of the same people. And then the medical industry and professional associations are philosophically opposed to religious the Robert exemptions. Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. <laughs> As I said, ungodly, clearly. So then uh, if we look at the, if we take these policies, look at them one by one and what, what kind of a world does this paint? Mm-hmm. So we have this policy 1601 is that, uh, you know, school and child care immunization, that they, they support the implementation of requirements for child care school university based on the ASIP, the full ASIP schedule mm-hmm. and only allow medical exemption. And then this is just showing the, you know, the contrast that as aggressive as the school system is, the ASIP schedule is worse. Even worse. Yeah. And, and you know, by the way, the, uh, the medical exemptions, they would eliminate if they could, but eh, they'd have a hard time arguing for never allowing it. Yet the, they, their strategy was to make it so difficult for a doctor to want to willingly, even if they believe it was appropriate, to, uh, uh, you know, allow for an exemption or provide for an exemption because they would be scrutinized, attacked, threatened with loss of licensure or, or, or undue scrutiny. Absolutely. Uh, and and they, they would make it so that even the physician that knows it's an important part of their duty as a physician, they would be afraid to do it for loss of their ability to be a doctor. They are in California. If you write five medical exemptions, you're automatically hauled in front of the medical board mm-hmm. and they are re, they're eliminating, they're, they're revoking the licenses 
And I have a talk I did. I, I'm working mm. with some groups out of California. Yeah. And when I and you contrast that is that there are doctors that are uh, inebriated on the job. They're having sex with patients. They're mm -hmm. selling drugs out the side door. Yeah. And they get remedial and uh, probationary stuff all the time. And they're yeah. revoking the license of simply writing a medical exemption. So this is what I call a not a lawyer, but I would call it a de facto elimination of medical exemptions as well. They have. Yeah. They have. And in fact, in that 1630, in this bill, you know, the one they just did in Washington, they were pleased at the fact the medical didn't go up. And the reason the medical didn't go up is because every single medical practice group advisor. So like mm -hmm. if you have a medical business, what you do is you have a, uh, um, you, uh, you know, you hire a consultant, all the consultants are saying, don't ever write a medical. Yeah. So then the next, so here's the next policy, 1703, which is a comprehensive adolescent health. This is back to letting the kids decide if they want shots, have surgery, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Then we have a policy here, which is the uh, comprehensive immunization program for all stages of life. And then uh, increasing overall immunization rates and then delivering immunizations to expectant mothers, children, adolescents, and adults. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> immunization information systems. So this is the achievement and maintenance of an appropriate immunization levels. Uh, we need to have coverage. So interoperable and coordinated state and local level IIS uh, supported by the federal government, and then they want to access to school-based data. So right now, when you submit, whether it's an exemption or a vaccine record, it stays in the school, mm -hmm. and they only send up the percentages. And they want to they want to fracture FERPA and get everybody's name in that mm -hmm. IIS as soon as they can. So when you take this set of policies together, is that what you've got is the end goal of this collection of policies is to have a mandatory cradle-to-grave national vaccination program to participate in society. A hep B injection within 24 hours of birth to flu shots in the senior center, a program where children are encouraged to bypass their parents. The vaccination programs will require all ACIP recommended vaccines. Every citizen will have a mandatory enrollment in the information immunization information system that are interoperable and will function as national tracking. And every interface with healthcare or other aspects of government will provoke a query into your record and any missing vaccines will be flagged and services may be conditioned on administration. Well, and this is why the central bank digital currency is so critical for there. mandatory vaccines. And prior to that would be the digital ID, how it all ties together. They can't achieve what you're describing right. here without that. Right. It's, you, and it's all interrelated. Yep. And you guys got to step it up and say, I'm opting out, never going to participate. Uh, no matter how inconvenient they try to make my life. And you got to figure out if you don't die on this hill, and I'm not saying you have to die, but you understand right. the symbolism that your kids are going to be growing up and their kids are going to be growing up in a prison, a nation imprisoned to a pharmaceutical industrial complex without escape, without escape. Absolutely. Yeah. So because, so non-medical exemptions are our first amendment and then they're strongly protected. And, and then that, that triggers a thing called strict scrutiny. Mm -hmm. And then that, so the government has to show a compelling interest. Now, the the vaccine-targeted infections are largely harmless, mm -hmm. and the vaccines don't work that well. So that is what, uh, they can't come out and say, we want to end exemptions so that when we require vaccines on adults, there won't be exemptions. Mm -hmm. So they have to exaggerate the impact of exemptions, the severity of the vaccine-targeted infections, and the safety of the vaccines. Yeah. So this is just uh, this is why I'm here today because of Connecticut and how I met Brian was working with the Brian and Don. Mm -hmm. So they're Brian Festa and Don Jolly here at uh, We the Patriots USA. Just yes, sir. Make sure everybody knows who we're talking about here.
And so this was something, uh, this was something I actually, they had me put together and I presented to the legislators, which was pretty interesting because this lady took off after me. Uh, there was a copied email to all the legislators and nobody was interested at first until this lady said, who is this clown? Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. And then I answered back and then all of a sudden everyone was interested. <laughs> so it was one of those situations mm -hmm. where the drama kind of helped me. But uh, so what I did was, uh, and we're not going to go through all this, but it, it just, just that. So when you look at the actual numbers for Connecticut, so this is their CDC. So they have a 96.2% documented by November 1 of the school year mm -hmm. of their kindergartners have two MMR. Compliance rate, 96% plus, plus. Yes. Yeah. And then you've got an exemption rate of 2.5%. What was the magic number they always said? You're going to die. Everybody's going to die if we don't have a 95% MMR. Okay. Okay. So then, and then in the, in the uh, NIS, that two-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. They're the fifth highest in the country. And for some reason they have to, add, and, the, and this was like. We got to eliminate exemptions. We're yeah. only the fifth highest in the country. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. So then the, the two previous slides should negate any reason for ending the exemption. So mm -hmm. you, they had, to, so the, the Department of Health lied to the legislature or misrepresented whatever mm -hmm. I said before in there. So what they did was they came out with a report that said that 134 schools reported MMR immunization rates below 95%. And so the, and, and then the other part about Connecticut is their rates are so high, they have to go down to the individual school to get a high sounding percentage rate. Mm. So the average Connecticut school only has 60 kindergartners. Well, that's 1.3, 1. 1. you know, your percentage yeah, per student. Yeah. yeah. Anything less a lot. Than, yeah. yeah. Anything less than a hundred, five percent is not even five kids. Mm -hmm. These shyster scoundrels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then again, so then it was that the school. So the problem was they didn't sort by, uh, religious exemption uses. So you had schools with zero religious exemptions, mm -hmm. but this, they, they didn't have 95% for other reasons. Now, let me just give you a sense of where we are yeah. in the time frame. Uh, we got about 15 minutes to cover the rest of the oh, slide that'll, here. Yeah, that'll work and fine. we're doing, we're clipping along beautifully. I just want Carl to understand where we are because this is a dynamic and comprehensive presentation we're doing here on this conversation. Uh, with Carl Kanthik, and uh, I hope that you'll share this as well. But again, visually, it's much more profound than hearing the auditory yeah. audible, audible only because of the presentation that he's got going on today. So it's a very unique presentation today. Go ahead, Carl. Yeah, that's well, and this would be, again, something that I would use to prep a legislator. I met with school board people last time. This is going to be helpful for all y'all yes. to be able to do the same. And so public health wants to say that you're either exempt or you're vaccinated. And when one goes up, the other goes down. But there's other there's other statuses. They're non-compliant and things like that. That's where they play these games. So the big the big report was is that uh, when they were really pushing for the bill, they mm -hmm. said that uh, in 2019, they had a list of schools that were the lowest MMR immunizations. Museum Academy with 53% vaccinated, Lincoln Bassett at 55, Sand School at 60, and Children's Stanford at 60. So you would assume that those schools would have a 35 to 40% exemption rate mm -hmm. if the vaccination rates are 55 to 60. Right. Okay. Then there's a second list, the schools with the highest percentage of religious exemptions. And they have a list of schools there. Hmm. Now, <clears throat> there's some problems with that. So that when I looked at the schools with the lowest MMR, and then uh, Museum Academy had only a 3% exemption rate. And the reason that it, that they only had a 53% vaccination rate is because they had 42% non-compliant. Now, non-compliant is a kindergartner who's not exempt, who has his first MMR, 
but there's a four-year window for the second get, MMR between right. the fourth and seventh birthday. Yeah. And they are measuring five-year-olds 60 days after school starts. Yeah. So then, uh, and then this one school, Sand School, had zero religious exemptions and a 40 and a 60%. So anyway. yeah, well, it's so deceptive the way they're presenting the data. Absolutely. Key, you know, give you an impression that isn't real. And so what legislator is thinking that they would do this, mm-hmm. right? It sh- if it's not illegal, it should be. So then I looked at the schools with over 20% religious exemption, and the, the enrollments are 22, 2, 2. So these aren't even schools. These are daycares. Right. And they, went, they dug into their database, and, they, and they're not supposed to report anything under 30 students. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's fraud. Yeah. And then, uh, and then that's, we don't need to look at that. Okay. So then the, the, the problem is there should not be two lists. Right. Because right. if high exemption rates cause low vaccination rates, that should be one list mm-hmm. of the same schools. And these guys get away with it because nobody questions public health. Uh, SB 277 for California. Mm-hmm. So to prep, to prep everything, they started saying that the, the, you know, California only has a 90% vaccination rate. Well, that's how many of those kids had all 16 of 16, the kindergarten shots by November one. Mm-hmm. And then there was a 7%, 6.9% uh, intermediate uh, or incomplete conditional, they call it in California only 2.5% exemption. So 97.5% are, are anything below that mm-hmm. has nothing to do with exemptions. Right. So they scammed everybody on that. And then, you know, when the measles thing, the, the Disney thing broke out, they tried to blame that on exemptions, but Disneyland's not part of the California school system. <laughs> nor, nor was it, you know, uh, and ever, it was all adults. Yeah, exactly. Was it ever proven to be yeah. a childhood issue, childhood That's vaccination right. issue? Yeah. yeah, it was 71% were adults. So then, uh, and I'm, I can be excruciatingly detailed, but, mm-hmm. uh, so what I did, and this is again, prepared for legislators, but so that the, the point was, is that they had all these conditional kids and that the, and they told the schools, if you don't get their paperwork in line, we're going to not let you charge us for the month. You know, they get money based right. on the enrollment. We're going to cut the funds. We're going to cut the funds. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you don't rage down on these people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, uh, Anyway, that's what, so the, 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 in this chart here, we have a chart that uh, has a horizontal bar showing a 2.5% exemption rate, and all of the movement in vaccination is occurring below that exemption rate. Not related rate, to it, yeah. Not related to exemption rates, right. So legislators were falsely told that if they remove exemptions, everyone will just get vaccinated. What is wrong with Dickie Pan? There. Well, here he is can right he, here. Can <laughs> he not to... read? Well, he's, I don't know what he is. Yeah. But uh, so he had been, somebody had uh, said on uh, Facebook, they said, well, what about the kids that were getting free lunches? And he says, well, most of the students will eventually get their children vaccinated when they wake up to the truth. But then when you go to the uh, California, the uh, the first year, California's K-12 enrollment drops again and again and again. So it's been going down every year since then. And last year they lost a hundred thousand students. Now there's clearly more going on there than this, but this is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So then this is the, the thing we have to watch out for now. So it's the American Journal of Public Health state policy, removing the personal belief exemption for measles, mumps, and rubella uh, requirement in, in my state. So uh, then there was this opinion that I have the copy of, and this guy saying, oh yeah, we should do it because uh, it, it helps raise rates. And then, uh, and then what does the Twitterati say? So if you follow this issue at all, you start mm-hmm. to see the same people. And there's uh, uh, Dorit and Liz Ditz and these different people. And they're all saying, yeah, we should do it. We should do it. Well, then when you read the study 
and most of the time nobody ever reads anything but the uh Yes, uh, we're back to the beginning, to EHB 1638 or not to EHB yes. 1638. Yeah. So it was associated with a 5.4% relative increase in kindergarten completion rate and a 40%. But, but associated, that's like the lowest level. It's yeah. association, association, correlation, and causation. Yeah. So uh, why are we passing legislation based on association? <laughs> and then um, so the problem with this is that and this again is clarifying that they're 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 acting as if when exemptions go up complete goes down and vice versa mm -hmm. ignoring that intermediate group which in washington they call out of compliance right so what happened was is that uh, so the real problem here is that the exemption rate was only 3.1% so if you got rid of all of them that's mm -hmm. the maximum increase it was impossible to gain a 5.4% increase eliminating a 3.1% yeah exemption rate incredible but even worse than that is that uh they didn't eliminate the 3.1 they brought the 3.1 down to so that to 1.8 so they act they, they brought it down 1.3 mm -hmm. so you can't getting rid of a 1.3 exemption is not going to cause a 5.4 percent increase but that's what they're going to tell the legislators now the reason for this is because you can't sell exemptions by being honest and saying look 96 0.9% of students are not exempt. Mm -hmm. Well, what legislator is going to bite? Yeah. They not. And then this is just some detail for, for, you know, advocates, they can pause it and stop it here if they want to look at it and understand, but it's all movement in between the complete and out of compliance and very little interplay with the exempt. Have you presented this data in this format or forum? Like we're talking about today, has this gone public at all anywhere? I've got it on, on, uh, it, you, like I said, and was saying before we were on air, mm -hmm. I've got some, I do some work in various states and I've yeah. been able to get uh, some private legislator meetings and stuff. That's really But this hasn't gone focus. out like this, like we're doing right now. Not much. Okay. So, yeah. uh, well, Carl, I appreciate important. you putting this out there for all of us. Yeah. And I appreciate you letting me do, I know this is unconventional. So, uh, <clears throat> so, it, and again, how... Uh, their, their job is how can we make, so in Washington State, this is the full K-12 system, and everything's 95, 96%. Mm -hmm. There's no way to sell legislation, so you've got to find another way to make it look bad. But that, does this mean they hire, you know, statisticians looking for work, and they say, do this, make this look some, like something you know, we can sell? I, it, that's funny because I had this conversation with someone that knows one of the one of the authors of this, mm -hmm. and, and we're, I'm just saying, I was asking her, I said, well, how can you... You know, if, if the exemption rate was only 3.1, how could you have a 5.4% increase? Mm -hmm. How can you sign your name to something like that? Right. And I don't know how they're justifying that. But this is just the status. So you have complete conditional exempt and out of compliance. And, uh, you know, so this is the summary then is that less than 2% of children have zero vaccines, less than 3% exempt. Everything else is just fluff to obfuscate these facts and pass legislation. Mm -hmm because the goal is no exemptions for anybody. And they really want to do that now with the COVID because nobody wants the COVID shots. Yeah. Nobody wants them and they right. know they can't. So they, and if they, so their plan is, that's why you've been hearing that plummeting children's vaccination rates. Mm -hmm. They want, they want to kind of just, oh, they want you to ignore COVID. Chelsea Clinton comes on and says, we're going to do a massive yes. catch up campaign yes. like never before. There, right? There's no, nothing to catch up. I yeah. do that in another talk. But yeah. anyway, they, what they want to do is they want you to kind of, just forget about COVID. Mm -hmm. We're going to slide this removal of the exemptions. And mm -hmm. then when we put COVID in, we'll say, oops, sorry. Sorry, you're screwed. Exemptions are gone. Yeah. No way out. And uh, 
you know, and so lobbyists are going to start to show this public health study of American Journal, and they're going to say, look, Washington increased their vaccination rates by 5% by getting rid of exemptions. You need to do it too. And it's just complicated enough, you know, somebody has to think. Mm-hmm. And boy, if you wait until the legislators are in session, there's so much coming at them. Because I have a friend, I mm-hmm. mean, you know, a friendly, yeah. and he showed me, and he shows me this binder. He says, I get one of these every week, mm-hmm. and I can't read this. So we meet in the, uh, uh, what do they call it, the caucus. We meet in the caucus right. on Tuesday. They tell us how we're going to vote, and it, it's uh, you have to get to them now. And the, the what they're going to do is they're going to call this the science. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. uh, Robert, I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity to address your, your audience. Well, Carl, I appreciate you so much for all that you've done uh, in getting this out there. And it's a lot of work that we've seen in less than an hour here. You're talking a decade or two of, of cumulative Yeah. Uh, and in a concise manner. Now, the question I have is something that will be asked of me. I saw the slides in your video presentation, which is what we've just done. Those of you hearing, again, the audio podcast you're likely going to want to watch the yeah. visual. Uh, and yeah, you can pause at any moment the, and see the slides, but yeah. is there a way to make the slides available to folks? Yes, have them go to my my substack, carlcanthak.substack.com. Okay, K-A-R-L-K-A-N-T-H-A-K. Correct. Dot substack.com. Correct. And the slides are available there? Yeah, I'll make them up. Make I'll, them available. I'll, I'll, put a, I'll put up a load there. Okay, well, this yeah, is and great. Then, and then if, if different state advocates, you know, it's, it's, it's my goal to, to train other state people so that I'm not doing right. I don't right. want to be the only game in town. And there are a lot of people willing to take yeah. up the torch, you know, uh, with yeah, there's some fena- phenomenal people, boy, some of the, uh, some of the people that, uh, uh, Brian and Don had in Connecticut were, I mean, yeah, really just, able to dig into that data. Cause once you know what you're looking for, then you can mm-hmm. go, Oh my God, those dirt bags they did this they did mm-hmm. that and anymore you know the, the somebody asked me well how do you do and so well the first thing you do is assume they're lying mm-hmm. yeah well <laughs> that's where we start it's like how many people would normally do that yeah from the legislative perspective yeah, from the, and that's the tough part and one, they've and, all drunk the you know kool-aid yeah. so to speak and so they're in a cult jim jones is their yeah. uh, leader and they're riding all these children into uh, disease and, and and premature death based on what we're learning about. And yeah. more people that learn about the entirety of the, the ACIP slash CDC vaccine schedule realize how unscientifically sound it is. I mean, it's not sound at all. It's not been tested. It's never been tested the way it's yeah. administered. They're, it so anybody straying from it is probably yeah. straying for the health of their children or eliminating and abandoning altogether like I did. Many now we're learning are doing so. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what, where will they, what will they be able to do to capture us? Nothing. I mean, yeah. you're, you're going to now create a situation where parents realize how dangerous this is. Yeah. And what would a parent not do to protect the life of their children when they realize something's coming at them that's a potentially deadly weapon, even if it looks like a syringe in a doctor's hand? Yes. Well, and when, when I was meeting with one of the, you know, and and, uh, and the legislators only know what the lobbyists tell them. Mm-hmm. And then and, and, and lobbyists and public health are interchangeable now. Yeah. So the, the, the public health people are the government public, yeah. paid lobbyists. Right. And, and the within ones in the industry. Yeah. Folks, it's a, you know, it, it, to say it's an unmitigating disaster is, is an understatement. Uh, to correct it is, it's a, it's a moral ethical obligation. Yeah, to, the, to not do anything is to condemn your children or many children you don't know if it's not yours to a, a life of chronic disease and premature death. That's where we are now. It is. Yeah, the, 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 not only are the vaccines not as safe, nothing can be as safe as they claim. No. Universal vaccination requires the perception that injury is so rare it's only theoretical. 
It also requires uh, Marxism and collectivism yeah, to be your, your starting point. The you implementation. Have to, you have to believe in a collectivist medical yeah. ideology that individuals don't matter. You can sacrifice correct. them, and there's no uniqueness to anybody. Therefore, one size fits all. Well, we're about out of time, uh, Carl. Thank you for being here, my brother. You are amazing. I want to. I'm thank so you. grateful for you and what you've done Congrats, here is man. tremendous. You guys share this show. And uh, go to the Substack. We'll have it linked up in the show notes as well at robertscabell.com. Please say thank you to those that support our message of health, freedom, and healing liberty, including our friends at Nutritional Frontiers, of course, uh, Trinity School of Natural Health, the Trinity Health Freedom Expo. We've got loads of upcoming events. I'd love to see you at. Go to the upcoming events tab at robertscabell.com. And if you're not already getting the newsletter, uh, text my initials RSB to the number 22828. That's RSB. My initials text that to 22828 and you'll be prompted in your email address and you'll be plugged in to all the goings on here that bring the power to heal back where it belongs with each and every one of you. Or in other words, the power to heal is yours. 